It says in the Bible that he will come as a thief in the night. I never thought this could happen in my lifetime. This pandemic is of biblical proportions. It reminds me of a time when I believed it had happened. By it, I mean the rapture. An event in which born-again Christians will be snatched away to heaven by God, signaling the beginning of the new world order and the return of Jesus Christ. I was 13 then, and a born-again Christian. I remember walking back into our house in Broncos Parade and searching everywhere for my mom. Her handbag, car keys, and car were still at the house, but she was nowhere to be found. I started screaming hysterically. We've been left behind. We've been left behind. I told everyone. Keep coming in from all over the globe, confirming it as true. The event seems to have taken place at the same time all over the world, just about 25 minutes ago. Our family had been watching a 1970s American Christian end-of-time movie called The Thief in the Night on a loop. In it, many people across the world suddenly vanished, causing chaos throughout the globe. A state of emergency was announced, the United Government began to force those left behind to insert a microchip under their skin in order to identify and track them for public safety. The microchip was also known as the mark of the beast. So when I could not find my mother that day, I concluded that she had been raptured. Back then we didn't have mobile phones and I was convinced my mother had disappeared just like in the movies and my siblings and I had been left behind alone in a world without God. Naturally, I panicked. After alerting our neighbors with wild screams while reams of tears flooded my face, my mother walked back into the house. There's no rapture, she said calmly. I just went to visit a friend nearby. Hello, and welcome to the third episode of COVID in Africa, a podcast looking into the continental responses to coronavirus, also known as COVID-19. In today's show, we'll be looking at the spread of fake news, misinformation, myths, and conspiracy theories, on the spread of the coronavirus, or what is now known as the COVID-19 infodemic. I'm your host, J.D. Ramalapa. Let me tell you something, right? Yeah. Nobody builds a, builds a fucking hospital, two hospitals in 10 days. It can be extremely difficult to separate fact from fiction when everywhere you go, people are sharing different sets of information about where the coronavirus comes from, why it is here, how it is transmitted, or how it can be cured with absolute conviction. Let me tell you what they did when the outbreak happened in Wuhan, right? 
from kitchens and videos sent through family WhatsApp groups, even in scientific circles. All of a sudden, the whole world wants to know the latest research about viruses and respirators and whatever else is relevant and use this knowledge to help mitigate the negative impact of the virus. The lines between institutionalized and citizen science have completely broken down and now the value of public access and public engagement with science is being recognized and it is truly wonderful. Here in Africa, many people believed that black Africans were immune to the disease until black people started dying. According to the World Health Organization figures as of Tuesday the 7th of April, Africa had recorded more than 10,000 cases across 52 countries with more than 500 people dead. As people got infected, the myths and conspiracy stories also took on a darker tone. Good morning, term. fellow South Africans. Goeiemorgen. I'm about to give you the most important message that you've ever heard in your entire life that could potentially save your life. Do not, under any circumstances, allow them to test you. There's a possibility that the swabs are contaminated with COVID-19. This week alone, authorities in South Africa arrested two men for spreading false information about the virus on social media. In the same week, a major newspaper in the country, News24, had to retract an article and apologize to the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation for stating incorrectly that Bill Gates said a vaccine against COVID-19 would be tested on Africans. But the most persistent and pervasive conspiracy theories have centered around the reason for the spread of the disease, population control through vaccines, and 5G technology. For weeks, much of the world have been under lockdown to prevent the spread of the COVID-19 virus. The spread is caused by people moving about, gathering in crowds, touching one another. Turns out, by trying to prevent the spread of COVID-19, we've created the ideal environment for another epidemic. 5G is a weapon. It's used by the military. They have technology that fires frequencies at the enemy. By being in isolation with lots of time on our hands, access to the internet, and plenty cause for fear and anxiety, the curve for the spread of conspiracy theories have been growing exponentially. Conspiracy theories travel or spread like a virus. And so, that, so the logic of contamination uh, is important here. This is Rogers Oroch. He's got a PhD in social anthropology and works as a lecturer at Witz University in Johannesburg. He's originally from Cameroon and he is a conspiracy theory expert. I've called him up to try and find out what's going on with the explosion of conspiracy theories during this lockdown. So for a long time before the pandemic arrived, we, we had been talking about, people have been talking about an epidemic of fake news, right? So merely talking about the, the role of the internet in fueling fake news, uh, people becoming more and more invested in, in, in parroting fake news and propaganda and all of that. People w had already started to organize themselves in interesting ways into communities of belief, if you like. So it will be interesting to see how the contagion, right, the contagion of, of co conspiracy theories will work. I have, for example, been watching the spread and growth of one particular conspiracy, 5G. 
And if you've spent any time at all on social media the last couple of weeks, I bet you have too. A 5G phone tower torched in England. But do you know what you're doing now? You're laying 5G. You know that kills people. This COVID-19 scam illusion. On the surface, 5G is about faster internet, like 4G and 3G before it. But according to a lot of people on the same internet, this is only a smokescreen to hide layer upon layer upon layer of conspiracy that ends with how the world is really ruled by lizard aliens and or the Illuminati. But before we go down that road, I have to tell you that the most surprising thing I learned researching this story is not that the moon secretly is hollow and is home to a lizard master control center. Rather, I learned that there is more to these conspiracies than I thought. But to get there, we're going to need Roger's help. I was long fascinated with conspiracy theories, for instance, uh, and things like rumors before I started actually uh, studying them as, you know, academic uh, objects. Rogers had, like many others, a feeling that there was something that wasn't quite right about how society was working. I got to university in the early 2000s. I was very fascinated, fascinated but all in a troubling way, I would have to say, by what elites were doing. The normal narrative about African elites as people who are engaged in all kinds of acts of corruption. As an undergraduate student in Cameroon in the early 2000s, Rogers didn't only have a keen interest in the abuses of the powerful. He also had early access to the critical infrastructure for spreading conspiracy theories. Search engines were coming into play, Google, Alta Vista and, and, and the rest. And, and so it was initially my interest in the accusations against elites in places like Cameroon and Africa that led me to become someone who is very fascinated by the variety of, of conspiracy theories against elite, all of which seem to be condensed to, perhaps in one simple line, the accusation or the suspicion that elites are engaged in evil around the world, in conspiracies meant to perpetrate evil. But Rogers did not continue down the road of what he calls his troubling interest in corrupt elites. But instead, he became an anthropologist who studied the phenomenon itself. Somebody who studied rumors, conspiracies and gossip often on the internet. Kind of like, well, a conspiracy theorist. Yes, that's true. What I teach my students is to recognize conspiracy theories as uh, explanations about the state of, of something in the world. In the case of HIV-AIDS, it was a state of a disease, but sometimes it's even the state of security, right? So, And so to recognize it legitimately as a, a framework of explanation, much like science is, much like other frameworks of explanation, uh, we have to re remember that religion is a framework of explanation about the state of the world. Uh, we should not take it as a kind of natural fact. There's nothing natural about religion, and, and neither is, is there anything natural about science For, but for me, what is critical as a point of difference is that the, there is an openness in scientific explanations to falsification and, if you like, corrections that you will not easily find. So that's one of the big points of difference. You don't easily find this 
In conspiracy theories, there is constantly the affirmation and a desire to prove a point that people already hold strongly to. That there is a kind of fanatic intolerance in conspiracy theorists uh, in the way that they approach things. And even when you bring up uh, evidence which may seem to contradict their, uh, their initial positions, they constantly strive to find a way to incorporate this new evidence within the already, uh, the, the already existing framework of explanation and theory that they have elaborated. The reality is, however, that the more evidence you put out there, the more likely that that evidence will instead be soaked up by conspiracy theories into new modes of explanation within the same theme. And this is the reason that all the articles you post to debunk the theories your uncle posts on Facebook will never convince him that he's wrong. That simply is not how it works. And that gets us to the 5G conspiracy. At the base of it is the belief that there's something about the 5G technology that we, the ordinary people, are not being told. On one end of the spectrum, it is that there are harmful side effects to the radiation that's being kept from us. But if you join one of the many, many new and fast-growing Facebook groups about 5G, this is only where it begins. Some of the most influential conspiracy theories, like British David Icke, has made a fortune connecting the dots. And where most conspiracies, like 9-11, 5G and coronavirus, inevitably ends, is here. In simple terms, there is a predator race which take a reptile, reptilian form. They're feeding off humanity, they've turned humanity into a slave race. They demand human sacrifice, that's where Satanism comes in. David's latest revelations have been about the moon. Far from a lump of benign rock orbiting us, it is in fact an artificial construct, a gigantic spacecraft, probably a hollowed out planetoid. It is from the moon that the nefarious Illuminati manipulate the collective human mind, warping our perception of reality. I'm saying it's broadcasting something. Um, that it acts as a blocking frequency that makes... There's something about conspiracies that bothers me, and it isn't that people spend hours and hours on YouTube, or even that others like David Icke make a lot of money making videos or writing books. What bothers me is when conspiracies have very real consequences in people's lives, like the anti-vaccination movement is an example of. But when I put the blame for people's skepticism of vaccinations on conspiracy theories, I am, according to Rogers, missing the point. African bodies have been subjected to all kinds of abuse in the name of science, to, be, to, to speak in broad terms. But particularly within the context of medical research or biomedical research, that has a history, a particular history. So in a nutshell, um, there is a kind of, if you like, material basis for the suspicion of vaccines when it comes to black bodies. So that Africans are very suspicious is reasonable, is what uh, George Marcos will call paranoia within reason. Paranoia within reason. Basically, what Rogers is saying is that if I am looking for someone to blame for the fact that Africans are skeptical of vaccines, I should rather blame what the fear represents a history where black bodies have been used for experiments without their knowledge by the medical establishment. Conspiracies are, according to Rogers, a symptom of what people worry about in society, not the cause. So when it comes to 5G, coronavirus, anti-vaccination and lizard people, what does that say about society? 
would you then say that maybe like we we know that we are being sort of screwed over in one way or another whether that's by the west or by the east you know and the skepticism there comes from a real thing and then so whatever grabs the imagination and then you like exploit through those avenues of 5g and 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 virus research and whatever yes exactly so that 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 is a i think a very good way to sum it up it's that we know that uh something else lies uh lies underneath here uh and it's it's a question of commercial interest and for africans they know that their commercial they have very little stake in 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 this these big struggles and big debates and big interests they are very marginal to they are part of it but they are very marginal so they are part of it in within the margins and so they are, they know that of course they are going to be screwed uh, one way or another whether it's from east or west The myths and conspiracy theories strangely mimic the COVID virus itself. It has a little bit of facts, things that we know for sure about it, and then a lot of other things we still can't explain. This lack of knowledge has sunk many into a vortex of misinformation, hate speech, and, in some cases, paranoia. One of the independent newspapers in South Sudan's capital city blasted the headline, Foreigner, First Coronavirus Case in Juba. That's a headline which led to the proliferation of hate speech against foreigners and employees of the United Nations Mission in South Sudan, or UNMIS. But before the country recorded its first case, South Sudanese thought they were immune. Dubai streets are almost clean. You're barely hearing the voice of motorbikes and few vehicles moving around because of the COVID-19 outbreak in the country. I am Maura Ajak, a radio journalist based in Juba, South Sudan. The president announced the third confirmed case of the coronavirus in the country. So far we have three confirmed cases of COVID-19, all from the people who have traveled to Juba and Torit from COVID-19 infested countries. So practically COVID-19 is in Juba and Torit and we must prevent it from spreading across the country. A total of 65 contacts have been listed. The ministry of health rapid response team have collected 50 samples from the contacts of the three cases for testing. They are now tracing more contacts of all the confirmed cases and you will be updated accordingly. To this day, South Sudanese believe that the pandemic will never reach them. I went out to speak to some of them to check their temperature as it were. I first spoke to Kiden Lucky who said she took the pandemic as a joke, and so she was not worried. Um, my name is Kiden Lake. I'm a South Sudanese. I'm 32 uh, years old. My thoughts on coronavirus, um, when the news started, nobody expected it to, to be a pandemic. Uh, we took it as a joke, as many Africans, people are talking, you know, 
putting memes and saying this thing is not going to affect Africans. Some are saying, you know, it won't survive in a heat, so there's no worries and so forth. But now all this has turned to be false and many African countries are contracting the virus and it's becoming serious. When we heard of the virus the first time, it came from Wuhan, China. So, yeah, there's a lot of misconception about the name, but I think if people got to know why is it called like that rather than just looking at any Chinese like, oh, you are the virus and whatever, it will be great. But personally, I don't think uh, it's something bad to be named after the place it started or originated from. Another Juba resident, Samuel Kenyi, believed that higher temperatures in South Sudan will stop the disease from spreading. My name is uh, Samuel Kenyi Apollo. I heard that it is actually below uh, 26 uh, degrees. That will, this is where it can really survive. But beyond that one, it will not survive. And indeed, to me, in South Sudan, I strongly believe, and I strongly still can say this, it will not affect my people in the Republic of South Sudan. Why? Because of the temperature itself, the temperature is now we are ranging from 30, 38 to 40, and which is really above, above the what? The rate which we were told that it should be below what? Below that. I really believe and I'm praying that uh, it will not really come to South Sudan. And secondly, also as a faithful and also as someone who really believes in God, I was really not uh, feeling okay with the decision that came from some of the government and also some of the church personnel that people should not go and pray. And this is a matter of faith. To me, masses should not be omitted. People have to go and attend the mass. Only that the measures that people should keep them. Kenya also believes that God is the healer. But others say they will rely on traditional medicines and homebrews to cure themselves of the virus, should it come. Many are also happy that government officials will not go outside the country for more treatment because the airports are in lockdown. China also is, is also advanced. We thought they will manage the disease themselves. And, and I was comfortable that uh, nothing will happen, but unfortunately, it is striking everywhere. It is actually worrying. But again, I hope things will work out. But if it doesn't, then we had our hopes. We will, we will get roots of our trees, the leaves. We will, we will try them and, and we hope it will work. Uh, even for us, mere malaria cannot be taken by tea. We believe in bitter herbs than, 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 than tea itself. So for us, we have our herbs, the bitter ones are there. The decorative melo are there, the morodi are there. So at least this one's the one we know it can even manage the symptoms of, of this disease, like the flu, like the headache. I mean, like, like shortage of breath, these are the medicines that we usually use. So I believe in them more than tea. I, I mean, this disease for me is really doing some justice because our leaders do not want to develop our health system. They usually go abroad for treatment. Now, the, the places they used to go are badly hit. So when it comes to us here, all of us go to the same hospital, they, they ignored. So at least it's a lesson for us that we need to develop our country. Otherwise, uh, one time, one day, all of us will perish together with them regardless of the position you have or the money you have accumulated. President Salvakir Mayardit established a high-level task force on COVID-19. On Sunday, his deputy in the committee, Dr. Riyak Machar, announced the first case of coronavirus. 
South Sudan confirms one case of coronavirus COVID-19. On behalf of the President and the Chairman of the High-Level Task Force, I would like to inform the public that on Saturday 4th, April 2020, the Public Health Laboratory tested and confirmed a case of COVID-19 in an individual. The suspect presented to the UN clinic on the 2nd, April 2020, with fever, cough, headache, and shortness of breath. The Ministry of Health rapid response team went to the clinic and collected samples the same day. The initial test came positive. A second round of the confirmatory test also returned positive. A second case was announced a day later on Tuesday by the Undersecretary of the Health Ministry, Dr. Makur Matur. Another person who is not a contact of the first case tested positive. So now we are having two cases in South Sudan. And this is a 53-year-old woman working for the United Nations uh, who came in the country on 23rd of March from Kenya. She's in isolation, she's in good health, and is getting good care. The Minister of Health and Partners, especially the World Health Organization and the UN system, have launched an outbreak uh, investigation involving identification of contacts. The next day, some newspapers wrote inflammatory headlines like this one from the Juba Monitor which said, Foreigner, first coronavirus case in South Sudan. A headline which unleashed trolls of hate speech targeting foreigners and United Nations employees. The country is now under night curfew from 8 p.m. to 6 a.m for six weeks and all the educational institutions are closed including non-food shops. The spread of COVID-19 has opened a huge portal of information on the web. You know, for example, right now, more than 1,100 directly relevant research articles or preprints on the COVID-19 virus are available from platforms called MedArchive and BioArchive. These preprints are essentially research articles that are shared online for free by authors after passing an initial moderation check for scientific quality and bypassing the long, slow and expensive traditional publishing routes. Around this, there's a platform called Outbreak Science Rapid Pre-Review, you know, a bit of a mouthful, which was launched as an open source platform specifically for the rapid peer review of these articles. That's John Tennant, founder of Open Science Mock. You know, perhaps one of the most useful things from all of this is that researchers at the John Hopkins University have developed an interactive web-based dashboard to directly track the spread of the virus in real time. And they provide substantial data and resources for people to get informed about the science behind the outbreak. Another really cool initiative is um, the folks in Paris, an organization called Just One Giant Lab, you know, these are a group of hackers, biohackers, open source, open materials, uh, experts, um, citizens from all around the world. They're hosting this non-institutional community that is building new open source methodologies and equipment to help combat the, the virus and to treat its symptoms. You know, things which we would expect our research and health institutes to be at full capacity for doing. But actually, ordinary citizens are now having to pick up the sort of science-based burden in, in this respect. But many people still cling to conspiracy theories to explain recent global events regardless. 
What scientists know for sure for now is this. COVID-19 is a virus that usually spreads from close person-to-person contact through respiratory droplets from coughing and sneezing. It may also spread through airborne transmission when tiny droplets remain in the air. The coronavirus can only be diagnosed with a laboratory test. It is a global pandemic. All humans of all ages and sizes are affected. There is no known cure for it. And all we can do is keep our hands clean and stay home. I know that this can be a really challenging time for many people. You know, being deprived of contact with humans takes away from us something that we we all need to make us uh, to make f- us feel alive so i feel this is a, a good time for several things you know i think firstly each one of us now has to face this inner demon that we have of becoming more comfortable with being alone and that feeling of loneliness and to realize that there really is a big difference between being alone and feeling lonely you know we were being forced to spend more time with ourselves perhaps than we've ever faced before and we have to grapple with that you know being comfortable with who we are learning who we are learning you know more about our family and being more comfortable with that and those who we're perhaps isolated with and you know that's tough these are these are difficult psychological things that we have to go through um but the sort of flip side to this is to make sure that what we're doing is staying in touch with people who might be finding all of this more challenging. So, for example, you know, if we've got elderly relatives or people and friends who live alone, then we need to make sure that we're acting responsibly and giving them the communications that they might need to to get through this challenging time. You can also invest in real independent news platforms without an agenda, like us here at Sound Africa, visit our website at www.soundafrica.org or send us an email to info at soundafrica.org to learn how you can keep us going. Reporting and editing in this episode was done by Rasmus Bitz, story editor Kelly Eve Kwapman, with contributions from journalist Maura Ajak in Juba, South Sudan, and John Tennant, founder of Open Science Mock. I'm Jedi Ramalapa. Merci. Obrigado. Shukran. Asante sana. Baya danki. Giabonga. Thank you for listening and stay safe and sound.